What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 42 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin. Alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. Oh, I was really hoping you were going to introduce the other person first. I really thought that would have been an amazing intro into him instead of me. We are going to have a slightly different format on this episode. There is a third person in the room. His name is Peter Livingston. Hello. He is the man who got us into podcasting in the first place. <laughs> I thought you were going to say disc golf. I was like, no. that is a lie. Yeah, what no. are you talking about? And he is also a novice disc golfer. Yes. Yes. We are trying to groom into a disc golfer that is better than Joe. Why that? Well, I mean, because just in general. I don't I, I don't know if we got to get there. That's like, I think better than your brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't take long. I know. Oh, scoots. So, Pete, as as we call I'm, him. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, welcome. I'm a long-time listener, first-time guest caller. He's not, you're not calling in, you're sitting here. <laughs> oh, um, the not... thing is, so we've brought Pete out disc golfing a few times with us, but we might have um, went a little too hard on him oh, the, no. the first For, time we went. First time out was absolutely ridiculous. It was, we went to Rona Park. Uh, to Crane Creek, yeah. Night, yeah, Crane Creek, night, uh, first night of ever disc golfing. I was like, it's not so bad. And then uh, the next day, after not drinking lots of alcohol, we were down in Santa Cruz uh, playing De La. Yep. So, and I was second just like, day ever playing disc golf, De La. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? At first, I was like, kind of looking at it, and I was like, eh, it's not that big. It's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. And then I think I got to like the second hole... And I was like, I'm kind of out of my element a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Because hole two is only like 200 feet uphill and... Around a blind corner. <laughs> yeah. With gi- yeah, giant trees and it's shit. It's the perfect everywhere. beginner hole. Oh totally. God. Well, because one is also a perfect beginner hole. Super uphill with a double yeah. mando. Yeah. It, Daylight gets real in a hurry. For... Like when you step up to the team, you're like, oh. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well then, and then it got to the point where you guys would talk about how you would watch the pros, you know, like you know such and such pro did this five hundred footer in two, and you're just like, well, fuck that guy, who like whoever. Um, yep, yeah, welcome to our world. Yes, that's pretty much um, how it works. Yeah. So then the very next day, uh, after not drinking alcohol all day and night, for reference, and we've talked about this in past episodes. This was my bachelor party. Yes, that um, we then played. Uh, Stafford round. Lake in Novato, which is another destroyer of man course. Of which I was basically out of gas. Everyone was out of gas. Oh, and yeah. uh, and then you hit like basket, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, on that ridiculous, what were we at the top? That big downhill one? So the, the downhill. Uh, Stafford Lake has their top of the world equivalent hole. I feel like it's hole six. Or it's either six or seven. Six or seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, and it, midway, it's yeah. a, one of those holes where you're, you hike way up and you're a good 250 feet above the, the pin position, depending on which tee you go off from. And uh, I had been just all over the place, was hungover, exhausted. We'd been driving a lot the whole weekend and <laughs> Pete, <laughs> Pete had been driving a lot the whole weekend. <laughs> well, I, I personally had not yeah. driven at all, thankfully, cause that would have been uh, disastrous. We may, we for may or may not have had uh, one of our siblings hobo drunk in the back, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was like pretty much almost ready to call it at nine holes based on how I felt, you know, get to a lower position in the course 
Stafford, you kind of hike uphill and then back down. Like, just to get to hole one. Oh my is god. Brutal. Yeah. I was like, are we there yet, guys? Yeah. So, Stafford like, Lake. Well, we're almost there. You just have to hike up this super tall hill. Yeah. yeah. There's some videos on, on YouTube of, of Stafford Lake. It's in, beautiful, though. In Nevada, mm-hmm. California. Check it out if, if you want to. But. I, basically, I was just I was missing putts. I wasn't hitting my lines. I didn't feel like I had the arm. It, I wasn't throwing well. And then all of a sudden, I stepped up to that hole, and I'm like, ah, I grabbed one of my more, more understable buzzes, and I threw it out and hit the. I, it was either the bottom of the cage, hit the bottom or the, of the cage, or, or the pin, one or the other. And from that point on, it was just like the energy just like straight adrenaline. Oh. Yeah, just adrenaline round came through, and all of a sudden, I was a disc golfer again. That was the f- coolest thing. It was the whole before. I remember Joe had, you actually went into the brush, into God knows what, to oh, go get yeah. your disc out. And me and Robin were sitting up at that hole, just like hungover. We looked like death. We were sitting there in the sun, and you sat down on the rock, and you just looked at me, and you just said, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> and I said, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and then you were like, I'm afraid Joe might kill us if we want to quit. I'll do this last one. And we're like, all right. And then, like you said, you threw that disc and just watching it slowly drift down and then just miss. It did. It like completely re-energized the trio. And the next thing you know, we were just like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And we played the, the rest of the 18 and... It did horribly, it just... like like <laughs> it was an awful round had by all. Yeah, but we finished it, um, right. So, anyways, that was that was Pete's <laughs> beginner story. And my oh. arm hurt for like a week. <laughs> I played more disc golf than I had ever thought that I would ever play in my entire life. And the part of the reason we brought Pete in, number one, he's an excellent friend of ours, and uh, you know we we've enjoy being with him and but legitimately this, this is why we got into podcasting this story is the exact reason every disc golfer has this story about the time when when disc golf clicked for them they have that 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 perfect throw that they hit that that solved everything and and ended up hooking them on the sport and it was just a, a awesome weekend despite all the craziness right. and we had that that moment where you know, we were ready to quit, and something awesome happened. And I mean, they were ready to quit. Joe was <laughs> Robin was one hundred percent correct. I was digging out a disc. If I would have hiked up there after finding my disc in the shit, and they were like, "Let's go home," I would have been like, "No, no." We were at the top of the mountain. So I was- I'm, the, I'm the type of guy like I don't want to stop, especially if I've not been playing yeah, well. We like I want like at least one hole where like I do well and I can feel like. Okay, I can do this. We yeah. can go home. Yeah, we were legit l- afraid. Like, we can't break this to Joe. Like, it was like, we're going to have to suffer together <laughs> yeah. in silence. I probably would have been like, oh, go wait in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I think he absolutely would have done that. Yeah. And I'm I was, finishing this round. I was swallow like, <laughs> the keys. Swallow the keys of the car. It's going to be at least six hours. <laughs> I, I think when I was sitting there, I was like, you know, there's no way we're going to get away with this. No. We're going to give this a couple holes. Maybe he shanks his drive on this hole and turns over to the right way down and gets angry and we can kind of work it out. But uh, otherwise, there was no way. There was no way. So it was, uh, for my sake, it was good that, that right. I was able to... For all of our sake. ...to find a way. But uh, definitely... You know, it, we definitely it was good that we had an extra hour for your brother to drink yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> well, that's one of the cool things about when you have a really good game like that. Like, you can just be doing horrible 
and then you can just have that one shot. It could be from the box or your putting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like the just, time that I hit like the two hundred and fifty you know? foot uh, birdie on top of the world. It wasn't it like a hundred foot when we started this podcast? I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like I feel like it was like maybe even under a hundred feet. This is slowly growing. Yeah, it was over a hundred. It definitely wasn't two fifty. I mean, this is not, you just went from a putt to a field ace. That's a, this is a big difference. I can't remember who it was actually on when we were playing Daylaw. There were those two guys that were they played up to us because we had that huge group, and one of you guys came out of the box and launched. It was the one that goes so like top of the world goes down. Yeah, and it kind of goes like that, like through the field. <laughs> Do you remember great that? for listeners? Yeah. Yeah, top of the world is the one from the very top. Yeah. Well, but there's the other hole that goes beneath horizontal us? to it, like beneath it. Oh, the the big like four. Somebody foot, the one that uh, Macbeth yeah. throws a yeah. Nova on. I think it, it think I think it's hole twenty three. And one of you guys fucking launched it all the way into the trash can. Remember that? Oh, that was Alex. No, it's not yeah. twenty three. It's like five or whatever. Oh yeah 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put it into the trash can for yep. sure. Yeah. Way to the left, like Parking not lot. a good not a good shot. Like yeah. But it was cool. We made him throw from the trash can. He got inside the trash can and threw his upshot. That was good. Good times. Yeah. It was no. excellent. It was. It was. But good. I think that's that's part of like, I think for me, and I think whenever we bring people out, it's usually towards the end of the round. Mm-hmm. It finally clicks a little bit and they their throws kind of go where they want and they feel good about it and they start parring holes and then you get hooked and you're like oh if i did that every time i would have a really good round mm-hmm. and that's what gets you and and, and keeps you going like yeah. i know that's it was not easy when i started coming out with you robin um but there were all those like little like glints of magic where like it worked really well or um i threw something ridiculous but it worked that kept me going Absolutely. So, we have our special guest, Pete, who will uh, chime in as needed throughout the podcast. We're going to talk about a few different things. We have our deer review, as usual, our world-famous disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and tell you whether you should bring them on the course. Today, we have... Wait, wait. Did I ever tell you about my cousin? (laughs) No. So, uh, I mean, you've told me about certain cousins. I know stories about some of your cousins. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't want to talk about that. That's totally different. That's not the cousin I'm talking about. This is the right place for that. (laughs) So, I have have a cousin, uh, total asshole. Oh. Uh, don't like my cousin. I assume he doesn't listen to the podcast. No, he doesn't. He's off doing uh, magic stuff. Oh. He's. Are you talking about my brother? No, 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 no. Like magic? Not, not Magic the Gathering. No. That's also Pete. Uh, yeah, that's also But no, uh, no, he's uh, he's like an evil wizard. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So like maybe a warlock? Exactly. Oh, interesting, because this episode we're going to review the warlock along with a beer called Evil Cousin. What? I know. That's crazy. It's amazing. It like works out perfectly. So we have the Heretic Evil Cousin double IPA that we're going to pair with the Gateway Warlock, which oh, is Oh man, I was just going to say that sounds like a gateway to a transition. But then you just said gateway. But then we it's, already like we're transitioning to yeah. the so, gateway. Yeah. Warlock being the evil cousin of the wizard also. 
true one of the more popular putters on the market yeah. we are going to review the uh, warlock which we've already reviewed the wizard so mm-hmm. the the lesser known cousin the scar if you will to the mufasa that is sorry i have toddlers i everything's a lion king but reference they're brothers not cousins I'm that's that's true that's true right fair enough actually i don't even really they're know. brothers i think they're brothers they're, they're, so I, they're totes brothers i mean i know about lion king yeah I think like, that's should... like my wheelhouse i was a kid when that came out you yeah. should do a movie review no yeah Listen, I'll tell you this right now, and I'll, we're going to leave it at that. When uh, Mufasa got stomped down, as a young lad, tears, Waterworks. tears trickled down my face. No doubt. Yeah. That's, that's all you need to know. Yeah. It was, it was for real sad. Especially for a Disney movie. You weren't You really... know, every Disney movie has like an effed up moment. Yeah. Well, Bambi, yeah, Mom, good shot. Damn, Disney, tone it down. You're like at 11. Seriously. Let's bring it down to like a six. I agreed. Totally agreed. That's why I only watch um, High School Musical. Sure, <laughs> that was fine. I was trying to. I was trying to think of another like Daniel Tiger. What's uh? Who makes like the Shrek movies? Uh, oh, DreamWorks. DreamWorks. They, they, I was like, yeah. that's why I only watch DreamWorks movie. But then I kind of that's ruined true. It by the, not the DreamWorks it ones are all like even keeled happy, and then that's you true. go you get Pixar and you get Up, where you get like a. You know, oh God! Crying crisis. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> like ten minutes in, you're like, we can just stop this. <laughs> Welcome to the Crycast. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, we really went off on a tangent. Yeah. In the comments, one. let us know what movies makes you cry. <laughs> yeah. Prepare for ghost. Prepare for extra. T- <laughs> prepare for extra tangents. Yeah. Just letting you guys episode. know, when I walked into the studio, Joe and Robin were reenacting Ghost. The Swayze with the hands on the clay pot. It was. Listen, Robin really wanted to learn how to spin a pot. And I have a pottery wheel, so yeah. so I had to help out. Why not? I encouraged it. <laughs> so so starting next week, I don't no, think Swayze it, had as it, big it, of a beard. It will beard. no longer be a, a deer review. Um, I can't think of a good name for a, a, a disc and movie review, but I think we're gonna move that way. I have no idea. This was supposed to be like my. 45 second recap of the episode to come and it's been like about five minutes i've only covered the deer yeah pete let the man talk why are you always interrupting this guy you guys need to just lock it up can i say what okay (laughs) just lock it up okay (laughs) by the way there's a there's a drinking game with this show uh that no one plays but i like to reference it when you interrupt when i interrupt robin drink (laughs) yeah we can play you can play that right now i'll play it as we (laughs) Do the... Oh, Pete's gonna get shammered during this episode. I need to get like a like some sort of light or a noise thing to do like some sort of Pavlov action here to get you guys to calm down in between, so All I can right. just get okay. a few words out. Sorry, I'll now, let you do your... Sorry, so go ahead. It's we got our deer review. We have the Gateway Warlock. We have Heretic Double IPA Evil Cousin that we're gonna review together for our deer review. We're also gonna talk about the Disc Golf World Tour. They had an interesting announcement today. Uh, based on some controversy earlier in the year about not having uh, female divisions. So that's another exciting thing that we'll talk about. And we'll talk a little bit more with our uh, novice disc golfer, uh, future disc golf addict, Pete. I'll be on the Pro Tour. Give me two years. I'll be there. Yeah. He's, listen. I mean, I'll be there. Like, I'll watch it. I won't be on it. I've never, I'll... I've never. So, um, I'm sure you've measured, like, your height and then, like, your wingspan. Do you have a wingspan larger than your height? Or are you, like, pretty even? Uh, it's a little bit longer than my height. That's good. Pete's a big dude. He could throw real far. Well, I would have to work out. Well, no, really totally, hard. totally. But here's the thing, like, oh, you're a lineman, though. So, yeah, you're going to have to work real hard. We were all linemen. <laughs> yep. 
I remember you guys. I had to work real, real hard. <laughs> you guys showed me who was that really tall? I can't. I'm blanking on his name, but when we were first after we had gotten back from your uh, bachelor party, you were showing me some of the uh, very first broadcasts of uh, down in Dela, and there was that tall ass. Dude, he was like six six, big lanky guy. Big German could have been Coling. Um, it, it just depends. Probably I mean, wasn't a not, first broadcast. He's not six but. six. But he's tall and lanky, Lazat, yeah. and he does silly things at day. Yeah, and then Colling's probably the, the one of the taller guys, one of the taller prominent tour players. There are plenty of other very tall players on there, yeah. but but probably Colling. But basically, um, scientifically, I've worked out, and by scientifically, I mean it's all in my mind. Um, <laughs> lankier dudes. I don't know. The mechanics work better. They throw further. I scientifically, I mean, thought about Googling it. I got really drunk. I didn't think about Googling it. That's like, (laughs) that's too much work. I just went, I feel like this is a thing, so I'm going to say it's a thing. Uh, Ooh, another peek behind the curtain of Disc Golf Podcast. That's a lot of things I say. They do their research before they... (laughs) No, Robin does legitimate research. Like, Robin, Robin for sure is um, the doctor for more than one reason of this podcast. It, well, for one, the uh, doctoral degree on the wall. No, no, no that's here not of the the studio. I'm talking more of like the nine years of college. Yeah, which netted me a a doctorate. Your son drew that with a crayon. Uh, well, it looks pretty good to me. I mean, it looks legit. It looks <clears throat> looks terrific. It's it's a squiggly circle. Plus, nobody checks that stuff. You just you know, I'm a doctor. It's okay. You know, it's on your. I mean, when was the last time somebody actually checked? Or the, their doctor actually went to school and became a doctor. Well, we all know Dr. Dre actually did get his doctorate. <laughs> he went back to school. Why, why do you think he's been out of the scene for so long? He's, educa- he's educated. He said, I want to be a legitimate doctor. I'm tired of getting all this flack. And and he did it. Is that the, the, the quote? He created beats. No, no, no. Uh, he got his doctorate in uh, homeopathic rock massage. Are you serious? <laughs> Well, I didn't know. Like the, you said that, and you just looked dead serious. I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh my god. I thought you were doing a shtick, and then I was like, "He could be telling the truth." I don't know. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have broken. I wish I could have just kept selling that. Uh, go, go back no, to my wife. And that did you happen. know the doctor Dre? Is actually He's a, a doctor? real doctor. This is what a, this has gone sideways <clears throat> in a hurry, in a in a real hurry. So I'm going to transition us to the Disc Golf World Tour, and I'll preface that with with a little bit of history on the Disc Golf World Tour from this past season, from those of you who uh, maybe didn't pay complete from attention to inaugural season. But the inaugural season of the Disc Golf World Tour, which was headlined by, or created and, and uh, run by UC Maresma and Discmania and Innova, really, uh, to create a set of tour events, I think it was six events, that were major events, that were filmed and there were a couple of them that were live, and then they decided to switch to just post-produced content. One of the major detractions of this from the beginning was that UC and the Disc Golf World Tour team decided that they felt from a strategic business standpoint in terms of their investment that having a single pro division was the best way to go. It, whereas most tournaments have a... MPO division and an FPO division, having the female players competing against each other and the male players. Um, UC made several arguments about it when when he was confronted about it. 
basically saying that you know this is a early on in this tour i'm testing out the markets i'm trying to uh, men allocate are, men are smarter than women it's science <laughs> <He did. laughs> trying to by the way that was joe hardman that said that yeah wow uh he was trying to allocate the resources for the tour as best that he possibly could so that he could get the most premier disc golf kind of coverage that he possibly could Makes sense, and yeah. and therefore having the extra divisions would have to devote more staff and filming to those other divisions that maybe they weren't ready to do yet, which is essentially what he, what he did um, through the season. This caused uproar from a lot of the female players. Really only Katrina Allen, one of the best female players on the planet, if not the best. Right, I say if not the uh, played in in these events and a couple of other uh, players too that were local to those events. The disc golf world tour had uh, stops in Europe and all over the United States. So for a female player, a touring player, to spend their money to go, you know, all the way to Europe to with a chance with a a very slim chance, if any, if any right to to get any sort of prize money or even place in the top seventy was pretty unlikely. So a lot of female players basically just said, why would I ever do this? You know, mm -hmm. this doesn't make any sense for me. I'd spend a lot of money and a lot of energy and be put in a situation where the, the deck is stacked against me. So this year and just today, when we're recording this podcast, this is Wednesday, December 7th, they announced that they are going to add the FPO division to That's the awesome. Disc Golf World Tour for next year. It's my birthday. Which it is. Also, happy birthday, Pete. We happy birthday, ladies. The other reason. <laughs> we have... Happy birthday, I mean, ladies division of this golf, <laughs> yeah. golf world tour. Yeah. So, it, I think they... I think they probably knew that they would have to do this to begin with. Um, in general, I know that UC made statements about why he was doing things certain ways, but... I think that he probably knew that a, an FPO division had to come and that, and that he was yeah. growing his Disc Golf World Tour brand. It, it makes total sense. Um, anything, uh, like in my current job, I've started tons of pilot programs, and that's a Were part Were you of excluded it. women in the beginning? No. <laughs> exactly. But where we may have had limited membership to uh, build the base and make sure it's doable, mm -hmm. make sure... I mean, in my case, grants or funders come in, but it's kind of the same thing that you have the sponsors to make it uh, work and you know it can happen. Like if you jump all in at once, you have a chance of killing all your profits and mm -hmm. it dying instead of building from the bottom. Like that's just how it works. I'm sure when disc golf started, there wasn't an FPO. Probably not. I I, I can't, I cannot confirm, but. Uh, next, uh, Dave Dunapace AMA, can someone ask that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we also uh, owe a bit of an edit correction to our last episode. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, I <laughs> Not calling anybody out, but... I uh, I stated on last week's podcast that Madison Walker was like 18 years old. And she's like 28? Yeah. So, I apologize, Madison Walker. But, but you're so if, youthful. If anything, it was a compliment to your youthful energy and, and just... 
And Robin's speaking directly to you because he knows you're listening. I know. I know she's out there listening. She's she probably just like, fuck you guys. Directly con- <laughs> no. contacted me. But You know what's really funny? I just have to stop for one second. Uh, before I came over here today to record, in my mind, I was like, I bet we could do this podcast without being explicit. <laughs> and we could take that tag off. No, nope. oh, but I, yeah. No, but Sorry. it's fine. No. We it's, have been ex- it's been explicit for 41 episodes. Okay. I'm not worried about it. To be honest, the explicit tag is largely there because we review a beer every episode. There you go. And mm-hmm. and so it, I, we decided to put it on there because, one, when we started this podcast, we didn't know whether we'd be cursing in every episode. Uh, Which I tend to do a little bit each episode. And, and two, we're reviewing a beer. You know, that's a that's a 21 and over thing for... for uh, the people of the United States and right. other places, it's 18 and over. So uh, that's why that tag is there for, for this podcast. And also for uh, crazy wildcard guest Pete that throws F-bombs in all over the place. I'm sorry. That's right. When, when we go on his podcast, uh, oh, I drop lots of F-bombs. <laughs> yes. That's true. That's Speaking true. of which, uh, why don't you quickly give a little plug for your podcast? These gentlemen, as I, I, I'm sure maybe you've talked about we it. Have. I don't know. Yeah. But they are also part of a dynasty fantasy football league. And Joe has actually won it the past two years in a row. Robin won it the year, the the inaugural year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do a podcast. So all the champions and fourth place winners. And the fourth place are, winners. Are uh, yeah. in the house right now. Yeah. yeah. Right? You have, you have three years of straight yep. fourth place? Three years in a row of fourth place. How, how are you doing this year, Pete? Uh, <laughs> well... I'm in 12th place, which doesn't sound that bad, but then you listeners know that it's out of 12 teams, and that's not very good. So, but yes, we do a podcast, the Dynasty Podcast, and uh, I need to get these gentlemen back in. Robin's been on it a few times this year. Joe hasn't been able to get on with this crazy schedule, but I definitely want to get him on again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, what the hell, Joe? Sorry. No. I do have. I can't one, have a shameless. Oh yeah, I, don't know. I just. I do have one question for you guys in regards to the the men's and women's divisions. Do you think that women should be able to play up into the men's division if they feel like uh, they absolutely can? Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, no, they. So it's it's um a lot of times it is just an open division. Okay. So like we said, Katrina Allen played in uh, most of the disc golf world tour events. Hmm. Um. I, I think she played in all but one, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, and there were other other women that played. It was it was really it wasn't an MPO, a, a traditional MPO event. It was just an open division. It was anybody that wanted to compete uh, could could compete in it, and they did. That the argument from the female players out there was really just that it was not fair to them. There was no reward. You know if. If you go out there and compete in a tournament and in the FPO division against your female counterparts, there's a prize for first place and, and second place and third place and so on and so forth. But when you're playing against people that can outdrive you by 200 feet, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not for Katrina it's, Allen, but right. but well, for some of the players, well, well the top the top tier, the still top can. tier, you you're gonna struggle to to touch that and and the the placement really kind of indicated yeah. that i mean, i don't i think she maybe placed 70th or something like that yeah so uh to give you a little insight pete um typically 
the MPO first place are like close to 30 strokes ahead of the FPO. Yeah. Like there's a it's a a very large gap. Depending on the course, but yeah, it's it's typically 20 to 30 strokes um, a difference in 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 overall score and it it has to do with distance it, it, the 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 it men- has to do with the appeal. I think yeah. Uh, more women are playing every day. I think there will be a point where there are women that can compete with men. Um, they definitely have the skill set and they can build that skill set. But the current state of it uh, isn't there. And there's a huge disc golf in general. Like a lot of uh, like a lot of sports, there are a signif- there's a significantly higher percentage of male players. So to the point where when you go to your local disc golf course you may only see a few women occasionally and you i'll go to our local course and i'll have multiple rounds where i may mm-hmm. not see a woman on the course it's, they're like unicorns it's actually like <laughs> it's, it's amazing so ultimately while i understand what what uc's original premise was our goal is to get more women on mm-hmm. the course and and playing this great sport it is absolutely a terrific sport for for uh for the ladies to play and and succeed in mm-hmm. it really is when you look at 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 form and and putting being so such a major component of the game if you can convert those strokes inside the circle and close to the basket there's no there's no cutoff there there's no right. advantage male or female when you get close to that basket I, the only advantage is distance that these the high end pros can can get so, ultimately, we want our sport to grow. We want to get more women on the course. We want to get more families on the mm-hmm. course and get more people into it. So, But, like, don't well, go out on the course with, like, three families with, like, three kids each. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe don't do that on, like, a Saturday. But, uh, but I think that was the part where, you know, UC's decision was a business decision this last year. But I, I, I don't think it really would have cost too much to have added in an FPO division, you know, they don't have to devote live coverage to it or, or whatever it was. They could still have it in there and still have someone film it. I think from a publicity and from the true spirit of our sport and everything else, I think he probably should have incorporated this from the beginning rather than, I mean, kudos to them for listening to their critics and then including it in this next season. I think that would have been a major mistake not to have done mm-hmm. that this next year um but to to kind of dip your toe in the water to start this tour i mean it was a very professionally put on tour i I don't see any reason why they couldn't have figured it out kind of like the same thing that happened with the the live coverage of the usdgc where it was totally possible to have live coverage of the usdgc but because uh you know a bunch of people didn't want to work together it didn't happen right and um well to be fair Disc golf was already light years of ahead of the the, the game of golf. Yeah, and that's true. Their inclusion of women, where it took like <laughs> ball golf, ball, ball golf. golf, yeah, ball golf. You know, like a hundred something years before they were like, okay, women can play on this on the same golf courses as men. I'll tell you right so. now, there are no courses that I know of <laughs> disc golf courses that are men only. Yeah, that's true. So we're we're already that's doing a, well. That's a, absolutely true. Hey, let's is, is Augusta still? I, I yeah in in Ireland or, or England or I can't remember well that's not in Georgia in Georgia but yeah. in I think in um, 
I want to say it's Ireland. I can't remember the course over there. I think it still is. Yeah. Men, men only. Somebody is, can correct it, but I'm pretty sure that unless something. No, they can correct you. It's fine. Which is just no. ridiculous. I mean, can you even? I just no. I can't even imagine. So where so. would you guys like to see the tour grow to? Like. The the one that comes to my mind is like Asia, like either Korea or mm-hmm. Japan. Well, we have the Japan, Japan Open. Open, yeah, awesome. That's which cool. Is, which is uh, and the first event this next year is the Australian Open, um, the first major pro event this next year. So we'll we'll have that. And disc golf is really it, has it, a huge European following. Exactly, yeah. Um, Japan is is has a lot of disc golfers, and uh, Australia does as well. Um, I think that Europe is growing at a crazy pace. I mean, it's really done very well out there. Uh, and in the United States, we're still a fringe sport, despite it being the most, the largest percentage of disc golfers and pro players are here in the United States. Right. So, like, top European pros tend to come over and compete in the U.S. rather than staying in Europe. Exactly. How long before it's on ESPN? Oh, it is on ESPN. Like they do the whole. Oh, like the so broad. I mean, like where they broadcast like the down at like they bring a crew down to Daylight and do the final round of the. That's a that's an excellent question. So we had, we have had this last year, um, a a disc golf company which is actually now no longer exists. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it, well, I mean, they exist, but, but salient specifically has, has, uh, you know, gone under, but there was ESPN three coverage of a disc golf event nice. that was negotiated by a company. Unfortunately, it was not very well received. Um, the, the most notably we have had, uh, sports center top 10 coverage, which I've seen, which is, uh, which is great. Which once again brought us to uh, one of our greatest episodes ever. Yeah, where I lost a bet with Joe because I didn't think disc golf was as cool as it is, basically. So we made a bet to to get Peter up to speed. We made a bet about how many Sports Center top tens there would be this year. I heard that episode. Wasn't it fantastic? (laughs) Well, I didn't know what the what the final outcome would be. Um, Well, now uh, Robin only drinks four local gold. It's his drink of choice. It's very efficient. You know, uh, it tastes terrible, but if your goal is to uh, become a hobo in 45 minutes, it's uh, yeah, 14 percent, extremely effective. Can will get you. So, or, or a college freshman. Yeah, <laughs> that that also works. Oh, I'm so happy that didn't exist when we were in college. <laughs> but we'll see. We have some really tremendous uh, talents out there in current disc golf media, and they are producing content at for pennies on the dollar for all of us out here in the disc golf world and we could very well see this hit mainstream in 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 our lifetime i want to believe optimistically that in the next decade we could be seeing live disc golf coverage on a a major network yeah i i i think so i i I would like to think so we have it Live currently streamed on you know Facebook Live or we have Smashbox, which is a company that that goes out and films and does a live YouTube feed um, for for the tournaments, and they do a terrific job. And then we have a lot of post-produced content done by Central Coast Disc Golf 
or uh, Jomez Productions, mm-hmm. uh, companies Spin like TV. that, Spin TV, mm-hmm. that do a lot of, you know, or Prodigy even has a lot of terrific uh, videos that get put up, and numerous others that, that aren't quite as prominent. But it's it's post-produced, so you're, you're sometimes talking next day, if you're lucky, for a major event. Sometimes you're talking three weeks, sometimes you're talking months before something gets turned around. Uh, and that would typically be for non-major events. Right. Well, and the thing is, you know, it's um, it's not a huge moneymaker at this point. So no. It's not at all. The guys who are making the, the great coverage, the great post-produced stuff, have day jobs. And they're so doing like, it because they love when, it. When do you have time to, to put all the graphics together and get it together and put it out? Sometimes, yeah, it's next day, but sometimes it's three weeks because you gotta you got to parse together, you know, an hour here and an hour there and... and get it together and get someone to to get a bunch of people together to help you do the things you can't do so that you have a visually awesome video but also have you know great commentary it takes more than one person to really put great together. commentary <laughs> maybe uh, we have two future commentators right here for a disc golf uh, production well, well listen we've made, we've made no bones about it if you want us to commentate like we're in yeah absolutely and uh, ESPN, I'm sorry for emailing you every day. <laughs> but Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Do you guys think that there is a division? Because one of the things that I always kind of followed growing up was like the gaming community. Mm-hmm. And there was always kind of a division between it becoming mainstream and it kind of staying grassroots and below the radar. Like, do you think that there are... Do you think people kind of want it to stay like this underground kind of subculture type thing or do you think that the majority of the community would love to see it i, I think the people that want to stay grassroots and and low um don't pay attention to the mainstream at all anyways so it doesn't really matter i agree uh, but i i would say the overwhelming majority <laughs> want it to be mainstream and and to be mm-hmm. a big cool thing and, and i think that w- there will be growing pains as with everything as the sport gets more popular. But I agree with Joe that the people that want it to stay, you know, as a, a niche sport, uh, something that not a lot of people play, are those that aren't really into the sport as a whole. They just want to go to their course and play quickly and not be bothered and, you know, play, do exactly what they've done in the past. Whereas those of us that really love the sport and want more people to have that enjoyment than we have, just want to see disc golf grow and reach as many lives as possible. And hopefully, along the lines, we don't end up with massively expensive course costs like ball golf, where it's still a sport that is um, accessible to really any economic level, and that we don't end up with you know, huge water wasting courses with with manicured greens and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that honestly, disc golf already has shown that they can use actual ball golf courses for disc golf, and there has been data showing that golf in general, ball golf has seen a bit of a decline in usage, and that some courses are using disc golf to generate more income for themselves by putting disc golf courses in. So. I think there's going to be obviously a lot of different things that maybe traditional 
disc golf players and and uh, and everyone are going to struggle with as the sport grows. But ultimately, the end product will be that we will get at the top end, the pro level, we will get to see things we've never seen before mm-hmm. because the the pool of players and the talent that we could see will just grow. And we'll get to see more amazing players. And we think Paul McBeth and Ricky Waisaki are amazing. And we will get to see things that we never thought were possible going right. forward. Well, right. And I think the thing is, um, at some point, there there needs to be some sort of way to generate money with this golf. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big piece behind it. I mean, I know there are there are properties in Sonoma that could be great for disc golf buy but by your work but what the thing is you know Rob and i've talked about it like oh we can put a course in there but we're just gonna lose money on it mm-hmm. um we have we have it's now just overgrown in a big field mm-hmm. but um there's a golf course in town called los arroyos which is a big uh open space it's maybe probably, two probably open. gonna be houses it's probably point. gonna be houses or vineyards but, but when it for, yeah or vineyards but when it first went away you know Definitely had the idea of like, oh, let's let's put a disc golf course in. But really, the only way that it could be sustainable is like an awesome pro shop, mm-hmm. um, and people coming in buying and, discs and, and uh, uh, tour events. Right. Yeah, there would have to be events there. It, it's hard to it's hard to imagine a disc golf course being a profitable venture. Based on the amount of land that you would need, right? Uh, it, I mean, certainly golf courses have found a way to do it, but we don't want our sport to become an elitist sport. Where right, where it, it, the, if it gets to a point where I need to spend um, sixty bucks to go play around, sixty bucks to play around, or it gets to the point <clears> where I need to spend forty dollars on like to replace a disc in my bag, mm-hmm. it's going to get rough for me to to yeah. think about well continue to roll. But at the same time. You know, the amount of um, money that goes into producing discs is insanely low in comparison to, you know, these titanium golf clubs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with like yeah. graphite grip faces and whatever and, and, that are tuned to your height and whatever. And, and adjustable face angles and exactly. all, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, it'll never get to that point because... I hope not. Well, you well know. The, the disc is simple in the sense of... It's a piece of plastic mm-hmm. that um, you can adjust, you know, the flight plate, the angles, but there's a set weight. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not insane to continue to produce them. No. I, I, yeah, I think that that's great. And then the, your club also is really your arm. And, mm-hmm. and the disc, you know, com- combination between the disc and your arm creates the club And uh, in, in our case. But also, you know... There are golf courses. We have one here in Sonoma that costs 150 grand to be a member. Yep. And that's just like that's nothing else. That's just like buying your membership. And hopefully, disc golf will be able to avoid following that precedent. Uh, you know, unfortunately, whenever something becomes popular, big money <clears throat> tends to find its way in right. and and find ways to make money off of it. Uh, luckily, we have so many courses that are on public land. Currently, I think we're in really good shape. Yeah, and I think at this point, like, disc golf is um, more of a, like, ecological, like, 
savior. Yeah. Um, than it is, you know, you're never going to clear cut a field no. for disc golf. Yeah, and turn, plant lawn and put a sprayer all right, over the place. Right, right. Like, all it. of the natural landscape is what makes disc golf amazing. Mm-hmm. The trees, rocks, hills, all that stuff mm-hmm. is what you want. That's what makes a great course. But on top of that, um, and I know we're looking to put in a course in Sonoma and, and Maxwell, and I think the biggest, the greatest argument that we have for it to happen, which it will at some point, I just don't know to what extent, um, is it's really going to ultimately clean up the park mm-hmm. rather than being a detriment to, uh, you know, the guests of the park or whatever. It's going to keep it clean. Uh, I mean, if you've been on a disc golf course, it uh, is preserved by the disc golfers. There's not a crew of... 45 guys that go out every morning and, and trim a little bit of lawn and water um, mm-hmm. and make sure, you know, the hole is set up perfect. It's the disc golfers that go every day, you know, for $5 or for free because they have a pass and, you know, see a beer can on the ground and say, oh, some jerk left that right. here. Mm-hmm. Let me throw it in my bag and I'll dump it on the way out. Yeah. It's it's really a beautiful thing. and I Or think drink it. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's unopened, you find a full beer on the ground. Oh my gosh, it's like it's like bonus. Yeah, no, that that was one of the things I noticed when we played Dela was you could just obviously tell that they just place these uh, the pins and nothing else had to be done, and the landscape around it, whether it was like a fallen tree or big giant rocks or a crevice or anything it just kind of added to it mm-hmm. like they didn't have to move anything right they either added to the difficulty or and it's all it, and it's mostly like i'd say any disc golf course you go to you, we're probably looking like nationwide at 95 percent is volunteer hours mm-hmm. like, oh yeah it's it's the disc maybe, golf maybe 100 percent. maybe 100 there's probably i would say 100 there, percent. there's probably a little bit there's probably a course here and there that that is actually up kept with a position, but that might be because it's a, in a county park or something. And I'm not talking about it locally, but I'm sure yeah. there's a few spots here and there. But the the vast, the overwhelming, let's call it 99%, um, it's, our, it's our. the disc golfers keeping it up because they want everyone to have the great experience that they want. Yeah, absolutely. And it that's just the love of the sport that, that carries through and hopefully is is uh you know passed on to those that that play with them you know to pick up the trash and to take care of the course and and you know not not be a be a jerk off and put graffiti all over things and unless and, it's like really you know, cool graffiti smoke your cigarette and flick it into an open field and start a fire or you know like <laughs> all the crazy things that people can do but it, disc golf is at its current state a a kind of blossoming sport and has been for uh, quite some time and seems to be picking up a you know a lot of momentum mm-hmm. and we're we're very excited to see where where it goes from here the the video coverage is getting even better and that's what's bringing more interest the sports center top tens these things that people see it and it's just amazing you know the the philo's albatross shot where he candid a, a blind shot on an S-line curve from 450 feet. That's something that people didn't know was possible. And that's what, what disc golf needs to keep doing. Well, I think disc golf needs to keep getting people out 
I think what it would take for um, disc golf to continue to grow, like I think a catalyst would be, you know, great athletes or um, big names to get out and actually try it mm-hmm. and realize how yep. hard it is. That or they'd just be like, oh, look, I just threw 500 feet. And you'd be like, damn it. <laughs> right? Well, so, you know, it's super possible. But, like, Pete, like, you can speak to it because um, you were a collegiate athlete, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's kind of what pushes Robin and I in it. Like, we were athletes growing up. There's the competitive nature. And you can compete against yourself or others. It doesn't matter. But the just wanting to be good and realizing, like, you know, I played football all my life growing up. I went and played in college. I, I competed at a high level, and I got out on the course. That was really hard. Like, it, I couldn't just reach back and throw as far as the other guys. No. I think that um, adds value. And I think for me, that's what kept pushing me to keep trying. That's why it continues to push me to keep trying is, like, I know I can be good at things. And I want to be better at this, and I know I can keep working. Well, it's mm-hmm. a great competitive outlet. Like, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, Ricky Wysocki, he played, didn't he play baseball? Was he like, like a baseball Pretty much player? everybody who's awesome played, like, some yeah. baseball. Well, you know what I mean? But it's like, but it, totally, it's yeah. like not everybody can go and be the big division one. And that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an outlet for their competitive nature. But I think it also can hit on those that weren't, you know, really sure. competitive growing up. Didn't play a lot of sports, but... Um, have great coordination and and can figure out their mechanics and and get after something and do something like I think um, I, I've talked about him like thirty times this episode, but Robin, your brother, I don't think he was like a super athletic guy growing up, no. but he found something that he was super into and put effort at one point in time. He's still here and there, and saw success Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's another place so it can be the people who saw high level of athletics and got out and uh, it translated but it can also be those that never really were really into competition um, or maybe you know were the second to last or last picked on a team and got out and said you know what I can be good at this Um, it's a confidence builder in that sense yeah and and notably to your point Pete uh, Paul McBeth was was also a a avid baseball player. So baseball definitely has a lot of 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 uh, kind of corollaries to disc golf in terms of the mechanics of your throw. Um, tennis too, you know, Repeat, backhand and forehand. Yep. Yeah. Those well, two. I think there's just a big part of um, drink. Yep. Drink. Definitely yeah, drink. Go for it. Get him. Get him, Pete. Um, <laughs> Coordination, like coordination is is huge and it's real. Um, I was talking and I brought this up in a former episode, but I'll bring it up one more time. Um, There's some we know, her name's Mindy, who, athlete, awesome. Uh, She told me she wants to get out and play disc golf. And Joe's afraid she's going to beat him. (laughs) I am. Well, here's the thing. Here's exactly what I told her. Um... She was like, I don't think I can really do it. Like, I didn't play football or baseball or whatever. And I was like, but you have coordination. You have good mechanics. If In my mind, if you can learn to jump serve on a volleyball court. Hand-eye foot. Right. You can, you, yeah. can, you can play disc golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was a jerk. And I was like, you know, it took you probably like months to get a jump serve down. She's <laughs> like, no, I pretty much got it right away. 
and then I don't want to take her out anymore. No. Because that's not cool. Yeah. To be able to, like, I, I don't think I took an X step for the first six months that we were playing. I don't think you knew how to do an X step. I didn't. Well, that was the point. Like, I think I tried it once and it was just goofy. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to reach back and throw, mm-hmm. and then I'll slowly, like, work an X step in, um, mm-hmm. and now it's second nature. It's mm-hmm. kind of just, yeah, that's how you throw. You take this X step and, it, you know, that's just the footing and I know where it's at so I can, you know, see my disc if I'm out, you know, for my second throw. I can kind of just step back and know where it's going to land. I don't need to trace out my steps. I pretty consistently know exactly how long and where my X step goes. And it's just part of like repetition, but it's coordination. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what? I think it's time that we transition from this very serious topic that we've gone through to our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and tell you whether you should bring it out on the course with you. So today we have Heretic, Evil Cousin, Double IPA, and it sounds like Joe just opened a Sprite. That can be your transition sound. (laughs) No, that was I have a cool like can opening sound on my phone. I thought it'd be fun. For yeah, the yes. And alongside that, we're bringing the Gateway Warlock, the evil cousin of the Wizard. Right. Another putter by Gateway, which is another pay- putter for the podcast for Robin. Yeah, I love putters. Putters are the best. You know, they're cool. All right. Well, I mean, listen, I um. So I was on I was on infinitedisc.com today. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at what I wanted. I did not look at a single distance driver. Wow, this is like I I just got goosebumps. This is crazy to say, but I kind of feel like <laughs> I was probably set six months ago, but I'm pretty set right now with what I've got, and I'm mm-hmm. not. I am no longer looking for more 14-speed drivers. That's that's great, because most people shouldn't. And I'm probably in that category, but I still like to think I'm not. Definitely. I mean, sure. <clears throat> Ouch. <laughs> I mean, yes. But still, putters aren't my favorite. <laughs> putters are the best. First of all, you know, your classic drive for show, putt for dough. But I like show. Obviously. The putter <laughs> is going to be... The disc that ultimately decides how good your round went. If you don't make your putts, you're going to have a terrible round. So I tend to prioritize putters. Uh, and on top of that, the other thing, if you don't make your putts, you say you shank your drive, whatever it is, your approach shots. Mm-hmm. If you can be accurate with those approach shots, you can be all over the place off the tee and save yourself tons of strokes by making great approach shots and great putts. With putters. What if I just like ace it every time? Well, yeah, but you haven't. I mean, do I need to bring this How up? How many aces? I said what? I said what if? How many? I aces? said what if? I said what if? <laughs> Let me propose this question. I said what if? How many aces do you have, Joe? <laughs> and that was the last time I've ever. Joe, the do you podcast. have the? Do you have the same number of aces as Pete? Has I mean yes. <laughs> Pete has sixteen. I know he only played three courses, but he was amazing. No, I made it on the first one. Is that good? No. Is that okay? Is I that mean, a penalty? I, I, I think, think I broke it. Yeah. I think it's closer to zero. new high scores. Yeah. Is that bad? Did I break it? So, what are your thoughts? Did you get a chance to to do much testing with yes. the, with the warlock? Uh, so the gateway warlock, the 
main difference that you'll notice right away between the Warlock and the very popular Wizard is that the Warlock is a beadless putter. So the bottom rim of the disc does not have a bead on it. So the feel is absolutely completely different. Uh, I'd say this feels more like uh, the Putten Approach AVR in terms of the, mm -hmm. the overall mold. It has a straight bevel on the edge rather than the, the rounded edge that you see on a, uh, a wizard. So I, I don't think that people who love wizards would love the Warlock. Right. Just based on the fact that if you love the wizard, you probably love the, the beaded feel mm -hmm. and the rounded end and that this is probably closer to people that love AVRs. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, that would be my, my first kind of impression of the disc. Throwing it, it, it you know, it it's a slightly understable to stable putter with it you know for for kind of driving purposes you can get it out there and and get a nice straight shot if you want it you can also it does have some fade to it so it's speed numbers it's a speed of three a glide of five a turn of minus one and then a fade of two um i'm not so sure about the the minus one turn right i i think it flew fairly stable for the most part, when I when I threw it, rather, uh, and also had the fade. So, to me, very similar to to what what I saw from from like a P two uh, or a wizard. Even I I or, felt like it was a weird in my hand feeling wizard. Interesting. Okay. Um, the minus one, I I agree. I didn't. I don't fully agree with it. Um, and I had a breakthrough today. I, so I threw it. I've been throwing it for a while. It was in my bag at one point, but today I went back out to really just uh, give it a rip. And um, my breakthrough was I don't feel awful power gripping putters right now. Oh, that's that's new. Which is totally new, which is really weird. Um, but I mean, I was power gripping it and ripping it, and it, it flew incredibly similar to the wizard mm -hmm. um i didn't really see that minus one and i mean i i was i was cranking on and it wasn't really turning over unless i was releasing it mm -hmm. anheuser i i kind of agree i think that maybe the warlock exists for the for the people that like gateway plastic and gateway discs that don't like beaded discs right or just for so AVR naysayers. Joe, do you have that wizard nearby? No, I. What happened to it? Did Pete sit on it? He may have. Pete, are you sitting on a disc right now? No. That is out of control. If that's true, but <laughs> I, I don't know how to do it. Oh, but I got it over here. Oh, you you, so, you had it the whole time. <laughs> so, the the bead being the kind of uh, rim or mm -hmm. or little ridge, little ridge at the base of a putter on the underside, or really. Discs, primarily but... putters and mid-range discs mm -hmm. ha have this characteristic. Um, it, it it causes a um, it it doesn't necessarily make the disc more stable, but it gives it some of those characteristics at lower speeds. So the the difference between the two having the wizard with its perfectly round edge and the bead at the end, and then the warlock having more of a bevel underneath and no bead. 
Um, I, I think it probably was created just for the feel for the people that said, I really like, you know, your plastic, I like your discs, but I hate beaded putters. So Right. Well there's so there's also um Gateway makes a voodoo, I believe, mm-hmm. which is almost exactly a beaded a beadless wizard. Mm-hmm. Um same rounded edge, but it is definitely more understable than a wizard. The Warlock, however, in my opinion, was super similar. It, it didn't really have crazy difference in the flights. Um, I could really rip it and not worry about turning it over. And that two-fade is real. Like It had a nice amount of fade as putters go. Um, and that's why I kind of think of it kind of in that P2 range where mm-hmm. I, I knew it was going to come back unless I ripped it yeah. too hard on, a, on an Annie line. Yeah. Um, the, now, the glide wasn't super duper amazing. It was good. Um, I definitely so I went out in the field with a wizard, with a warlock, with a judge, which I used to throw wizards and move to judge, and a nova. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely was getting more glide and distance with the judge and the nova, obviously, uh, and. The fade definitely was much more prominent with the warlock and the wizard, but I, it's a good disc. I, I do. I still have to just reiterate that minus one. I wasn't really feeling. I wasn't seeing it. Um, it could be the way I was throwing it. It could be that it's you know it's not very worn. I haven't thrown it a ton, so it's a it's a fresh ish disc. I don't know, but I, I really wasn't seeing that minus one. Yeah, interesting. So, and now for putting. Um, from a, a putting standpoint, I, I almost don't care about flight characteristics for, True. for putting. Uh, it, you're, you're throwing at such low speeds, unless you're a, a, a pure spin putter or something like that, where you're really putting a lot of speed on the disc towards the basket. I think that for you to... Putt successfully, you're about confidence, you're about liking the feel of the disc in your hand. And for me, the Warlock, I, I putt with uh, McPro AVRs, and it feels, and McPro AVRs and P2s and, uh, you know, Glow AVRs, different different things over the years for different situations. Um, it, it feels right in that line for me. It does. It does. I think it's the first putter we reviewed aside from, like, the Wizard and the Judge that I legitimately feel like could be a good putting putter. I yeah. feel like we've had a lot of putters that are really just meant to drive for approaches or drives, mm-hmm. and and, and I this one for me, I like seamlessly. You could you could put it in there with the other ones, and if I'm blindfolded, I might not, you know, yeah. I might not notice right away. You know, I mean, it's the a nice plastic long... feels different, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, but it, it the good old gateway soft plastic that's super stiff. Yeah. Yeah, it is actually very stiff. For we have this one is soft, and they have like soft and super soft and super, super stupid, stupid soft. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but this one felt pretty much in that line with that beadless uh, kind of beveled edge on the underside that you see out of the the putt and approach AVRs, the McPro AVRs, the P two, um, all those different ones, and it, it felt normal. I mean, putting with it was was an ease. I I could absolutely see myself using something like this. If I hadn't already invested right. a small fortune, if you want, in, it's like one of those things which we've had friends do, and I'm sure McBeth we'll fall into it at some point. Discs. Um, 
where you maybe visit a friend and you don't bring your bag with you and they have some extra discs sitting around. If they had a warlock sitting around, I would have no problem being like, yeah, I'll use that for my putter today. Like, mm-hmm. that's good. I, I have yep. a good understanding of what it's going to do. You know, I, I can put it out just a little bit right and know that it's going to kind of crash into the chains. Cool. Yeah. So. How uh, did it taste? Uh, you know, I haven't. Why don't you let us know, Pete? I haven't bit into the uh, the Gateway Soft. Oh, God. Plastic. A little salty. I mean, it was all in poison oak today. But <laughs> so, uh, cool, don't worry about it. Pete literally just tasted a disc. Tasted a D. Put a D in his mouth. Put a D on my tongue. He licked a D. Uh, it was pretty good. Neat. Pretty good. I would give it a second round. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, wow. so Pete did not throw this disc. No. But I did taste this it. would be a disc that once Pete kind of gets rolling, um, you know, Pete's kind of in that world right now where uh, when he comes out to play with us, we give him discs of our own to play with. This actually is very similar to the putter. Uh, you actually gave me two putters, Robin, and not it wasn't a warlock. They were just that's probably mad. an idea. But yeah, yeah idea. it was it pretty similar feel with the feel mouth feel without a doubt. So that was I think, a, I think one I, of the things you gave me. You were just like, here you go. This is learn. You got to throw this. Yep. I think I gave you an XTAVR. Sounds right. Which is which is extremely similar to what you're holding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still have it, so um, that makes perfect sense. So beer, it's beer time. We have the Heretic Brewing Company Evil Cousin Double IPA, which is eight percent alcohol. Uh, it is out of California, which wow. is Fairfield. 8%. Does not taste Shocking. like eight percent. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Shocking yeah. that it's from Fairfield. Shocking that it's eight percent. Yeah. Shocking. So, I drank nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a double IPA, so obviously it's hoppy. Uh, the other kind of, but pro- it's not prominent. Fl- yeah, it is. It's got it. Uh, it. The other prominent flavor you get from this is the malt. I think that's probably the, much more than the the, hop. the most more malt uh, than the the most kind of uh, biggest impression you get from this is that kind of upfront malt flavor that it just comes right away. It's not um, overly bitter. No, not really. Um, you, you definitely get kind of the piney flavor, which can be, which is what I would attribute the hop to. I would say mm-hmm. that it was probably that's where the hops come through is more in that that piney flavor. But it's it definitely comes across malty. It's not overly alcoholic. No, it's not boozy for for it being. It's a 8%, sneaky eight percent for yeah, sure. For it being eight percent, that's not that's that's pretty good. So, Pete, do you have an opinion? Agreed. One hundred ten percent. No, I'm, it really it was. It's very mellow. When you said eight percent, I didn't expect it to be eight percent. I thought it'd be, you know, somewhere around five. But hearing that it's an eight percent beer, that's pretty pretty shocking. Especially since some of the ones that we have from like Lagunitas and Sierra Nevada and stuff like, and a bunch of other places, usually they tend to be a little bit more hoppy, more alcoholy. But it's totally very. It's very mellow for an eight percent, eight percent beer. So yeah, it is. And along with the, the kind of typical flavors you get with a with a double IPA, with the kind of piney flavor, the citrus, you get a little bit of that. Um, I'd say that you get a, kind of a crisp flavor to start, and then that you get the malt and slightly dry finish. Right, I'd say that's, that's the best way to describe it. Malt, yeah. So, yeah. Um, good beer. Uh, this particular one, we uh, it comes in bottles and cans. 
So we are drinking this straight out of the can. We got a six pack of it, which was I think about ten bucks. Right, which and, was uh, which Pete, was great. Pete drank five and a half, and we're splitting the last half. Yeah, yeah. taster. They had to, they had to fight me for the last one. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a terrific beer. I actually think this would be, you know, it's a little bit high in the alcohol range, but it coming in a can and and being a nice IPA, I, I think it's a pretty good candidate to come yeah, out on a course. I think so. I think so. And it's a sneaky eight percent. Like Very I said, sneaky, yeah. um, which is good and bad for the course. Yeah. You don't have to bring a lot of them, but if you do, uh, by the end of your round, it might be a little rough. Yeah. Could but be. yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good. It's uh, it's worth checking out. I don't love it, but yeah. it's definitely worth checking I, out. I would agree. Um, it's not... in term, Double IPAs can be hit or miss. I mean, you can have an alcohol range from like 7.5 to 12 on on a on some of these double IPAs and triple IPAs even that fall in that or imperial IPAs sometimes right. that that they're called and you can have all kinds of range they can be overly malty and sweet and full of booze and I think this does a nice job of of being on that smooth range and not being overly alcohol forward uh, but still giving you that malt characteristic I'm I'm typically more of a, a a less malty IPA is what I would prefer. I'm, so yeah. I would prefer a like a Racer Five single IPA that has not as much of a malt flavor to it and is you know a little bit less alcohol rather than getting that that strong malt flavor. Or a Hairy Eyeball. Oh gosh, that's no. a whole different beer. That's I think <laughs> for me, I I want um, I want more hops. I want more hops. Okay. That's my thing. I dig hops. Yes, what you have would fit in that range. I may have switched beers in the middle well, of our you, gear review. Uh, you finished your three ounce taster. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I want more hops out of it, but you know, for what it is, I'm I'm down. Yeah. I guess the big question is, you guys are going to go play around. Does it make it into your bag? Oh, look at him transitioning. Wow, it's press. almost as though you've listened to the podcast oh. before. I think this beer, yes, I would take this. Uh, I would take this on the course. Uh, I think just like Robin said, there would be things I would take over it. But if I went to a liquor store that didn't have what I wanted and there was a six pack of this sitting there, I would not be bummed at all. Yeah, and you know what? It may be a proximity thing that to the breweries close to us. But this six pack was nine ninety nine. Oh hell yeah! Which is pretty darn good for a six pack of eight percent of eight percent IPA. So. Absolutely, I, I agree. I, yep, it'd be something that is totally worth it. All right, so the warlock, the warlock. Um, I absolutely am so invested in the current putters that I throw and use that there's very little chance of any putter making it in, into my bag, let alone this one. Um, I I did like it, and I could see it as as uh, as something that would work for someone that enjoys gateway plastic and and likes say for instance i you want a super stupid soft avr they don't make that right but gateway makes a warlock it looks so, like really close like how about on name what would you grade it on name would it make your bag on name alone i don't think any disc makes my no. bag on name alone definitely because uh, there's some really cool disc names that i'm not about to put in my bag Mm-hmm. Um, name is cool. Stamp is actually pretty cool. Yeah, I was checking that out. Uh, but yeah, the stamp it's, looks evil. It's kind of in that same world. I do like beaded putters, mm-hmm. so I probably wouldn't putt with it. 
Um, I wouldn't putt with it. I guess I don't need to say probably wouldn't. Um, I've pretty much gone straight from wizards to judges. It's kind of just what feels good, and that's what I putt with. Uh, I do like the flight. It's good, but I feel like if I was going to put a disc like that in my bag, um, it would probably be a wizard mm-hmm. uh, because I like the feel. Um, I actually would really like to get a um, gateway champion wizard. That'd be sweet. Uh, not made by Anova, but looks I real believe darn the, close. I believe the plastic is RFF. Right. So there's like this whole thing that was on Reddit. Um, Facebook. 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 Of this like champion looking plastic wizard that I would love. Uh, but basically, you know, I am in the market for a dissimilar. This kind of a more stable judge for, for driving. But I don't think this is the one. Mm-hmm. Um. I like it. I think it's definitely something I would hand to a friend that is looking for something kind of that range and not feel bad yeah. about it at all and say definitely. this this could be yeah. really cool. Um, I kind of feel like that's kind of our disc golf world. I Just sitting here um, before we started recording, looking at the stacks of discs, I already like made a pile to, to bring home and, and work with to see if it can make it into my bag. I think this kind of lives in that world where if you know someone's looking for something, you might hand this to them to check it out. But it's it's not going in my bag. I agree. Yeah. Would so, you mind them losing it in the brush? Nope. They'd no. Be fine. No, I'd be fine with it. I mean, it's a it's a good disc. I I just think that, um, one, it's it's overlooked. It's the kind of younger younger brother to the wizard, it's like, it's which like is one the of the evil more, cousin of the wizard. Yeah, it, which is the one of the more popular putters. If there were if there of the three or four putters that are most commonly used, the wizard is right up there. Yep. Um, so it, it kind of is in the shadow of the wizard. That's why uh, he's so mad. Exactly. So, uh, it, it's not very well known. Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with the disc. I yeah, mean, you could, I, think I just... could absolutely, I could take this out in place of the AVRs I throw with and probably do just fine. No, I yeah. probably would be, have no, very similar, right. No issues with it at all, uh, in, in a normal round. So, it's a good disc. I don't know that that it's going to really sway anybody away. It doesn't, for me, provide anything different than what I already throw. So, I, no. Which, uh, I real fun it. story. Uh, I think the second time or maybe the first time I played Taylor with you, Robin, I hit Cage on 17 with that exact disc. And it still didn't make it in the bag, which tells you <laughs> something about it. Uh, it's cool. It's not going in. Yeah. Simple. Agreed. All right, Taste, Joe. Tastes great. So, uh, wait, time out. You don't know the disc, Pete, but you know the beer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> would you take this beer out on the course? I would. All right. I would, definitely. All right. So we have a very strange thing. We have three for three on the beer. We have 0 for two on the disc. I mean, I guess we can call it like... I'd say one for three on the disc because it tastes great. Okay, okay, <laughs> Fair so enough. we're we're another Fair four enough. to six, just like our last uh, our last uh, double du- double deer double beer deer review. There you go from last week. Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I don't the even this tastes great. <laughs> um, I would call this. This is the verdict that Joe this is gives the verdict, every episode, and I think this is the greatest uh, verdict right here ever. This is. Uh, Pete getting an ace before me. 
Like super cool. I'm pumped. That's awesome. But, but I'm dying you. inside. But I hate you. <laughs> Pete, we're going to start our training tomorrow at okay. 6 a.m. All right. Okay? All right. We're going to get out there. We're going to do some field uh, work. You're going to be gonna work on up your form. getting ready to go to work, and he's going to be sleeping. So No, I'm, I'm showing up at yeah. your house. We're, we're going out in the field. Yeah. We're gonna th- it's going to be freezing cold, and you're going to yeah. learn how to throw. So this is, so this is, we're making this, this is, happen. This is a Pete ace before jail. <laughs> Please don't let that happen, disc golf gods. Fuck. <laughs> That would be amazing. No, it would not. So no, it I, would not. This actually brings it back to the very beginning. We are talking about movies. <clears throat> How prime and ready is the landscape for kind of like a grandma, grandma's boy-esque disc golf comedy? Like, I think that's what this podcast is. Yeah, I think so too. I'm pretty positive there's been a good amount of uh, grandma's boy references in this show. Uh, and that's kind of the lifestyle we live, aside from like, you know, being husbands and we, fathers and having jobs. We we tend not to reference the reefer on on this on this podcast. The reefer, which is, I don't. Which what is, is the, very oh, common. like the the Great Barrier Reefer. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like it's got microclimate. Yeah, it's like, awesome. like coral reef. Yeah, coral reef. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like a safety meeting essentially. <laughs> but we we don't. So a major thread of the of the Grandma's Boy movie. Which would not be typically included in this podcast. But oh, video games. Yeah, exactly. That's yes. what I'm getting at. Dude, I play video games. <laughs> Damn it, Joe. <laughs> Wait, what? No? No? Did I miss something? <laughs> Shoot. We've just clued you into all the code words yes. for uh, for various things. Like for video games? Episode. Like codes to like yeah. get higher scores? Joe, why don't you tell everyone how to find <clears throat> us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at the TheDiscPod. You can find us on Instagram at the Podcast. We are on Facebook.com slash Podcast. You can just email us if you feel like it. TheDiscGolfPodcast at gmail.com. Please hit us up with your email address and we'll get you into our Slack group, which is a cool communication tool. We talk with Plenty of disc golfers ranging from brand new to advanced to maybe even some pros that are hiding from us. Uh, it's great. You get tips. You learn about discs. They trade discs on there. It's fun times. Uh, we're on SoundCloud if you want to listen to this away from iTunes. It's fun times all around. And if Stitcher, you get a, your if, favorite podcasting apps. If you get a disc golf podcast tattoo on your lower back, you will be brought into the studio oh is that because you got a just because you got one doesn't mean we'll do it for uh, everyone yeah okay i still can't believe you did that Ooh, one more thing give us a call you can call us on our raptor range 707-939-5476 that's my phone number shh oh (laughs) that explains so much i don't know you who are you (laughs) <laughs> just to reiter- reiterate on slack uh slack is a communication app that you can get for your desktop for your phone whatever you want it's a great way to kind of chat with people upload files all kinds of different things it's a lot of fun we got a whole bunch of listeners in there it's a great community that that uh has kind of grown from this podcast and thank you everyone that's in there and everyone that listens on a regular basis we are uh just continually grateful for for all the awesome things that in your reviews and in the slack group um just really really grateful for everyone this time of year holiday season we're full of love we hope you get out this weekend 
have some awesome rounds, play some disc golf with your friends, bring someone new out on the course, and throw stuff at stuff. 